A fake ad. Sorry. We're, we're having an in-depth conversation about whether the Domino's pizza tracker is legit or somehow kind of fake. Like, I think Ari's question is, when it says your pizza's baking, is it like if you walked into the Domino's right that second, would it literally be in the oven? Or would it be like, well, we put it in the oven. We're going to put it in the oven in two minutes. But you're like, well, on the tracker, it already says it. Right? You don't know what's going on. Like, is someone pushing a button? Like, there's a guy and there's like, is that pizza in the oven yet? And they're like, yeah, I just put it in. It's like, and the guy hits a button. It's like, stage three has begun. Because it's like the pregnancy of your pizza. Right. Is it an average? Like, it just is. It, you think it's a computerized thing, Bill? Like, it just moves. I just, think, I just, I think the, I just trust the process, man. <laughs> I, I think that it is, on average, your pizza will be there in 45 minutes. And they mathematically just break it down based on the time increments. There's no, like, tracker on your pizza. You don't know what trimester it's in until somebody knocks on the door. But you don't think there's, like, a thing where... They tag every pizza. On the, on the <laughs> shift, it's like, what are you doing at work today? It's like, oh, I'm making pizzas. I'm doing the cash register. I'm on tracker duty. I'm hitting the button for the tracker. They don't have a single person employed to do the tracker duty. Right. There's no way. That would be a waste of money. That would it's be fake. Waste of money. That's my... That's my bottom line. But do you like the tracker? But the tracker. I love the tracker. It's helpful. Makes you feel good. And it builds anticipation. It's an ultrasound for your pizza. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell Ari doesn't have children. Yeah. I'm not going to go home and compare Domino's tracker. When the time comes, when the time comes, is that or is that not your baby? I don't know. Don't compare the birth of your first child to getting a pepperoni pizza delivered to you from (laughs) Domino's. When I go to the doctor, is it baking? Your name your first child Wisconsin Six Cheese Wasserman. Um, Actually. Okay, this is the Buckeye Talk podcast. Doug Lee Maurice, Bill Landisori Wasserman. Uh, this is part two of our depth chart podcast. We already did uh, the offense, so go find that on Stitcher, on iTunes. We have it up on cleveland.com slash OSU. Uh, you can also find all our stories at cleveland.com slash OSU. Now we're going to do the defense, and then we're going to do a couple questions. You guys can always send us questions on Twitter, at Ari Wasserman, at Douglas Maurice, at Bill Landis25. Defensive depth chart. Defensive line. Let's start there because it's kind of easy because nobody left. First of all, in the end, are you surprised at all that everybody's back, that both Tyquan Lewis and Sam Hubbard returned to Ohio State and that they're bringing back not just – not just like the whole all four starters, but like the whole top eight. Like they literally yeah. Jalen right? Holmes too, maybe should Jaylen be in this discussion. Jalen Holmes yeah. is back as well. Yeah, they, they they didn't lose anybody. I'm surprised that Lewis is back. He's a graduate. He's a national champion. He was a Big Ten defensive lineman of the year. He like has nothing left to really come back for, I guess, other than to improve his draft stock. So I was surprised by that. I think that Lewis is by far the biggest surprise of the group. Yeah, on the team, and it makes it tricky, like what they're going to do, which is what had, we're going to talk about. We had said. When we did our, our guesses uh, for senior day, of which underclassmen are going to leave, we all said that Taekwon Lewis at that point would stay. But I think somehow... We did? We did. I was surprised by that. When we did what? I'm surprised by that. On, on senior day for the Michigan game. Really? We all oh. said stay for Taekwon Lewis. But I think by the time we got to the Fiesta Bowl, I think if you had asked us again on that day, I think we all might have said leave. That is strange that we all said stay. So um, he had a good year. He had a good year, and he's a graduate. And that's always, I think, that's a combination of things. Like if you you don't have anything left to show as a player, and I don't think he has anything else to prove because he had a really good year, and he's a very good player, and you graduated, I think that's often a combination for leaving. So I think I agree with you guys. But, okay, so they're back. 
the defensive line. Um, what do we do? We think the defensive line will look basically like it did last year, and that means Sam Hubbard and Tyquan Lewis, the starting defensive ends, with Nick Bosa and Jalen Holmes backing them up at defensive end. Um, that means Michael Hill and Draymond Jones at defensive tackle. Now, of course, the thing you throw in there is Tracy Sprinkle, who had earned a starting job at tackle last year, then got hurt in the first game and was out for the year. He will be back. So Draymond Jones had taken over Tracy Sprinkle's, Sprinkle's starting spot. So now you have Draymond Jones, Michael Hill, and Tracy Sprinkle as your three top guys at defensive tackle. But, of course, Robert Landers got some action there and a lot of praise at defensive tackle. Um, Devon Hamilton is in there. Um, you have Joshua Alibi, Malik Barrow, Malik Barrow, Jay Sean Cornell. Those that, that's, that's everybody a lot. who's there. And then plus you have the incoming freshmen, and we'll get to them later. But first of all, do you think the rotation will be basically what it was in general? At tackle, yes. Um, you think those will be the top three guys? Yeah, with Landers working in. I think they'll. Yeah. What sprinkle? What about sprinkle? He's one of the top, he's the top three. Top three? Yeah. So it's like, I'm already seeing the depth chart in my head right now. It's like Michael Hill is a starter, and then it's Tracy Sprinkle or Draymond Jones, and probably Sprinkle ahead because he's a fifth-year guy. And then Robert Landers is like the backup for Hill. Yes. Okay. As your top four, mm-hmm. a defensive tackle. Are, do you agree with that? I think I do, yes. I want Nick Bosa to be a tackle, but he doesn't want to be <laughs> I have a story coming when we write this story on Cleveland.com. We're doing breakdowns at Cleveland.com where we feature a player in the position group and then write about this, do a video about all this as well. I kind of want Nick – I wanted Nick Bosa to be a tackle last year. Coming in, I wanted him to be a tackle. We did this whole defensive tackle series with Larry Johnson about identifying athletes, identifying athletic ends, and then turning them into tackles, getting them big enough to be tackles. And – that's what I want Nick Bosa to be because I want Nick Bosa to start as a sophomore. And I don't know how this is going to work with the ends. We know they did the Rushman package, which is when they play four defensive ends together. And Jalen Holmes and Nick Bosa, who are the two second-team ends, come in and play tackle on rushing downs, on passing downs, so they can rush the passer with those four guys. Lewis, Hubbard, Holmes, Bosa together. That is a crazy look. It gives teams problems. I asked Nick Bosa about this. This will be in the story. Are you definitely an end? He says he's definitely an end. But, man, I, I want Nick Bosa to play more next year. And if Tyquan Lewis and Sam Hubbard are the starting ends, and they should be, I feel like that means in my head Nick Bosa is not going to play enough. I don't know what to do about that. It's, maybe it's just a personal problem that I have that has nothing to do with Ohio State's depth chart. But I, 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 I don't know... Why Robert Landers can play tackle on first and second down, and Nick Bosa can't. I know he's not three hundred pounds. I mean, he doesn't want to. I mean, that might be. A, I don't a know. Well, what would you rather play out of position than not play at all? But he's not going to play. Even if he moved inside, he still have the same problem. Like Draymond Jones, and because he's going to play that, he's not going to play the Michael Hill nose tackle spot. He's going to play the other spot where Draymond and Tracy Sprinkle are. But what? listen, but there were, in two thousand fourteen. They had Adolphus Washington and Michael Bennett were their two starting defensive tackles. Uh-huh. And it was the whole thing. They flip-flopped them midway through the year, who played the nose and who played the, the spot where you get to attack a little bit more. And neither of those guys is a nose guard. 
Neither of those right. guys is it. But, but you want, but do you want Nick Bosa being a guy whose job it is just to eat up blocks? I want him on the field. I think the solution, like there isn't a solution that gets him on the field all the time. But I think that you're going to have defensive end rotation like we had last year. It's just that it's going to even out more because Sam Hubbard and Tyquan Lewis were the starters and played the bulk of the reps at defensive end. And I would say Jalen Holmes was third and Bosa was fourth. And Bosa was coming back from the injury, so he was working a little slower. I think it's going to be split like 25%, 25%, 25% almost with those four guys because Nick Bosa needs to be on the field more than he was last year. I agree what with happens that. if he has like an offseason where he gets back to 100% form and then he's like Joey Bosa? It's like the thing that everybody was anticipating. I don't think he's. I don't think there's a scenario in which Nick Bosa is awesome and doesn't play. Will, will he play like a starter? Will he play starter minutes? Is yeah, it possible in your head? Do you think that Sam Hubbard or Tyquan Lewis could be replaced if Nick Bosa turns into Joey Bosa? Replaced in the sense that they don't play as many snaps. Yeah, they're all going to be listed as starters in the depth chart. That's like that's going to happen. They're going to be. It's going to say or and or at both defensive ends. But Joey Bosa was on the field every play, wasn't he? Not in 2015. Most plays, though, he wasn't like Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa wasn't rotated. Because they had because they had three they had they had Hubbard and they had Lewis and they had Bosa in fifteen, but Hubbard played the least, right? Out of those three, yeah. But so I, here, I here and I think this is this is the thing. And all right, it's basically just repeating what you just said. If Nick Bosa, if everybody told us in high school, and I know the story got convoluted a little bit. Like Nick Bosa is better than Joey Bosa. They just always meant that because Nick had an older brother. He got more advanced because he was following behind Joey, and I think he got more reps. He got better technique as a young guy because he was the younger brother. It happens all the time. So he was more prepared in some ways. It wasn't didn't really mean he's better, quote, better. He was more advanced as a younger player. But if Nick Bosa is at all like Joey Bosa, How could by he the time he's a second-year player, Joey Bosa... He's People a would have taken front. like Joey Bosa, yeah, like a top five in the draft by the time he was a sophomore. How can Nick Bosa be splitting time? That's that's what they're building here. That's like Jonathan Allen wasn't on the field every snap because Alabama had other good defensive linemen, and it's just like the nature of the beast that you're building. Guys as talented as Nick Bosa aren't on the field every play, which like there's a benefit to that in the sense that you have a fresher Nick Bosa when he's out there. But I guess I can see how it'd be frustrating to someone like you. Or even fans who want not I mean I didn't mean someone like you in a pejorative way. I just mean like someone like you. People who want Nick Bosa on the field every play, like I get that. It's just sort of not the reality of the kind of team that Ohio State has built. But we also so in fifteen they did rotate more. Uh, the, the the defensive line rotation story, there was a time where they talked about rotating and they didn't really rotate. Like yeah. They didn't live up to it. Then they have started rotating more, probably because their depth is better. But there's still a point I think you can over rotate. I mean, I understand there's a point where somebody, if they're tired, and somebody at 70% is not as good as their backup at 100% because the backup is fresh or whatever. I get that. But there are some guys where they can be at 4% and I wouldn't take them off the field. You know what I mean? I know everybody subs some, but here's here's a question. Who are their four best, and I know it's not the same position, so it's a stupid question, question to ask. Who are their four best defensive linemen? The four ends, probably. So Maybe if, if you wanted to sub Draymond for Jalen Holmes, but I, I wouldn't. That's I think important. Jalen Holmes is really good. Yeah, right? we all think that. Don't yeah. We? So isn't isn't is there? Do you think they could come up with a solution to that beyond the Rushman package is four ends on third down? 
Is there something, can they do a modified Rushman package on first and second down too? Or just, or have it be that some of their ends are ends slash tackles? No, I think they can do it on non, because I asked Larry Johnson, who are they, who are they play? It might have been the Penn State game where they had the four defensive ends on the field and Saquon Barkley ran for like 60 yards. And I asked Larry Johnson, like, was that a mistake that you had all those guys on there? Because it wasn't third down. I think it was second down. I said, was that a mistake that you had all those guys on there because Penn State hit a big run on you? And he said, no. He said, we're confident in those guys' ability to stop the run if they have to because not every team is going to line up on third down and throw it even when you have that package out there. So they think those guys can fit it up the right way, I guess, to, to stop the run even though they're all four defensive ends. So if that's the solution to get Nick Bosa on the field more, maybe you will see the rushman package on second down and maybe some, even first down sometimes rather than just third down all the time. Let me ask this. Is this an unfair question to ask? Adolphus Washington was an end here. He got hurt in 2013. Joey Bosch, as a true freshman, came in for him. And then by the time Adolphus Washington was healthy again, they said, you're a tackle now. Mm-hmm. And Joey Bosch, because they couldn't take Joey Bosch off the field, which is the point you're making, Ari, right? I mean, like, that's what Joey Bosch did. That's who he was. Can Tyquan Lewis play tackle? Sam Hubbard's smaller. Sam Hubbard, right, isn't he a little... Can Sam, if Adolphus Washington... Can play tackle. Can Tyquan Lewis play tackle? I mean, Adolphus Washington was a legitimate 300 pounds. Jalen Holmes is not. I don't think any of them. Bosa might be the closest to 300 pounds. I know. I don't think. But aren't you kind of running into the same problem? Because there's a lot of tackles on that list too. I don't think. I don't think this is a problem. It's just easier. Am I just going crazy for no reason? I think you're going crazy for no reason. I think you're. It's easier for you to imagine Nick Bosa playing tackle because it's easier to justify putting one of the tackles on the bench a little bit more than it is to justify removing Hubbard. Taquan Lewis was the Big Ten Defensive Lineman of the Year. Yeah. Pizza's here. Birth time. All right, I am am stuffed with pizza. Are you stuffed with pizza, Bill? I ate half pizza, yeah. I feel sick. Um, In the four seconds it took for us to transition from the pizza got here to now, I ate pizza. Okay, so we're, we're, we're... Covered a lot of ground on defensive end and defensive tackle. Um, Jonathan Cooper is another guy um, who's almost in the same boat as as Nick Bosa. Was a huge recruit and seems ready. And Ari, give us your 10-second Jonathan Cooper story from the Fiesta Bowl. His arms look like they have their own mouths to be fed. (laughs) Um, And I think it's a good reminder to tell people that if Nick Bosa was not in the class last year, that Jonathan Cooper would have been the it defensive lineman. So he's that he was, was he rated hurt? that guy. I don't think he was hurt. I thought he, I don't know if he was hurt. I think he early he early enrolled and like he, he's he looked like an animal. He like played, if you walked yeah. by him on the field before the Fiesta Bowl, you would just assume that he's a starter. So they're in great shape at end. I mean we're talking about the four guys they have who could be starters at many places, then you add Jonathan Cooper, and then you add Chase Young. And when we talk about this 2017 incoming Ohio State class, and Ari is running through recruiting profiles of all these guys, again, you should be checking out Cleveland.com on a regular basis. Ari is breaking down each of these guys, describing who they are, what they do best, giving you links to what he's written about them. He's been writing about these, these guys for a year. This great class, Ari, that's coming in, you've been calling it Ohio State's best recruiting class ever. Is Chase Young the best player in the class? I think all the five stars are the best players in the class. 
I was just telling Bill, is it possible to be an underrated five-star? Like, you can be overshadowed by the other guys in your class. He's the yeah. number eight player in the country. Do you have the class for seven sports. Yeah. Okay. He's the highest rated. Well, Jeffrey Okuda at corner is number seven. Chase Young is number eight. And then Baron Browning at linebacker is number 11. Sean Wade at corner is number 17. And those are four guys who are going to be the backbone of this defense in 2018 and 19. If you had to pick one, who would you pick? Go. <laughs> Akuda, probably. Because yeah. of the, the prototypical skill set in the secondary, as a, right, as a big guy, 6'1 190, who can cover and hit and run. And, right? I pick Browning. At linebacker? At wherever you want to And play. I'm not going to pick. You can play kicker. But, Six, two. The point is, is that I don't think anybody would say Chase Young, and I watched the U.S. Army All-American game, and that guy was everywhere. And I think that it's possible that he could, when this is all said and done, despite the fact that he's been committed for a long time. And it, it happens in recruiting. You commit for a long time, you fade into the back. It's going to happen, too, because and it's going to happen with a lot of guys in the class, like the nine guys who were early enrolled that we'll see in the spring and maybe... I don't know if we'll talk to any of them, but yeah. those guys will come to the forefront and they're like, oh yeah, Chase Young's coming in August or June, whenever they get here. It's possible when it's all said and done that Chase Young is the best one out of all of them. And again, it's hard to compare because they're all different positions, but that guy is a beast. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, you would think that a year from now, Tyquan Lewis and Jalen Holmes are both going to be seniors in 2017. And it certainly would not be un- unexpected for Sam Hubbard to go pro as a fourth-year junior after 2017. So yeah. we're talking about this uh, sort of log jam at defensive end. Certainly not unreasonable. You know Lewis and Holmes are going to be gone. If you think Hubbard has a good chance to go, too, if he has a good year and he's going to be a high pick. That then for 18 would leave you with Nick Bosa, Jonathan Cooper, and Chase Young as your top three defensive ends. We're forgetting Rashad Berry, too. Who played some? He played about as much as Jonathan Cooper last year, and was on the depth chart last year as a as the third guy at defensive end. They're going to have seven quote unquote game ready defensive ends next year. It's crazy. It's too many. Okay, linebacker. Let's go to linebacker. We well, also forgot Haskell Garrett too. He's a tackle. Oh, uh, we were just talking about the defensive line in general. Oh, let's thought, hit the young. We want to touch on the young guys. Um, Jaron Cage, is it Jaron or Jaron? Jaron. Jaron Cage is your guy. You've written a lot about him. Haskell Garrett, you just got a private tour from Haskell Garrett of the Bishop Gorman weight room. They're the two guys in the 2017 class at tackle. Um, and Marvin Wilson, potentially. Who is who a five-star. Dexter Lawrence-type prospect. Give us, give us He's the number one a tackle. minute total on Garrett and Cage, who are both coming, and Wilson, who could. Uh, Cage has been committed for a long time. His older brother, Daniel Cage, plays at Notre Dame, and people are worried that Notre Dame might come in and flip him at the end. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Haskell Garrett goes to Bishop Gorman and already is in college because Bishop Gorman is a college. <laughs> and um, those are two very, very, very good defensive tackles who have good futures, but they are not Dexter Lawrence. And I think Ohio State has not signed a Dexter Lawrence in the Urban Meyer era. Um and Marvin Wilson is the number one rated defensive tackle who weighs over 300 pounds and is just a southern beast. He's from Texas, and that is who Ohio State wants more than anybody in this class to finish things off. And if he comes, and I think that would be by far the best class in Ohio State history, um, 
He's just another level of defensive tackle prospect. You know those guys who are just born to play, low body fat, can yeah. move very fast, can are as big as they are fast, and are just game changers. And there's a reason why Dexter Lawrence started as a freshman at national championship team like Clemson. Marvin Wilson is that type of guy, and they're in the thick of their recruitment. Just real quick on this recruiting class. So we know how good it is. Or you've been writing about it. Um, their top three guys right now, the top four guys in the class, individual ranking, are all on defense. And then the guy who's the highest ranked still guy, the guy who still could come, is Marvin Wilson on defense. That if they if they would get Wilson, they would end up with the top five rated guys in the class would all be on defense. And they'd all be like top 25 guys in the country. They'd have like five of the best 10 defensive players in the nation. Yeah. That is an interesting defensive depth chart. If I'm screaming now well, you know how, like, you talk about, about what, are they, what can they do with Nick Bosa, what am I going to be doing in two years when I'm yelling like, how is Jeffrey? Like, yeah. We got to watch do? fall camp two years ago, and I'll never forget this for some reason. You know how sometimes things just stick in your brain and mm-hmm. you just don't forget them for some reason, even though they're insignificant? It was the, you know how uh, the first day of fall camp, it's always freshman first? Yep. And like Doug like walked out and he goes, we are looking at the 2017 defense right now. And like that's happening now because time flies and I'm old. I cannot wait to see what Doug's face looks like when he sees the freshman only practice in fall when these guys come in. Because they're... It's a whole other level. Ohio State's recruited at a high level now. They are recruiting like Alabama now. This is an Alabama class. Bringing in ready-made college football players. Who look like men when they're 18-year-old freshmen. Okay. Um, Linebacker. Do we even talk about linebacker? I think linebacker's fascinating. So we think... So they're returning two starters in Jerome Baker and Chris Worley, and they're going to start. They're losing... Heart of the defense, Raekwon McMillan, who's probably going to be a second-round pick. We think Dante Booker, who earned a starting job, had waited his turn, earned a starting job as a junior this year, got hurt in the first game, and redshirted, will now be back as a redshirt junior in 2017. Jerome Baker filled in, took Dante Booker's spot. Jerome Baker had a really good year. We think Dante Booker now is going to be the middle linebacker. That's going to slide right in for Raekwon McMillan. And that the starters will be Chris Worley and Jerome Baker on the outside, and Dante Booker in the middle. If that's what it looks like, what do we think of that linebacker group? Good. Really good and deep behind them. Very deep behind them. I think <clears throat> I think the goal for every team that's on the level of Ohio State and then Alabama is to rotate as much as possible, especially on defense. And we have yet to see linebacker rotation, with the exception of 14 when Curtis Grant and Rayquan McMillan were rotating a middle linebacker. I think you could potentially see five or six linebackers splitting time in, like, meaningful moments, not just mop-up duty. Like, I'm obsessed with Jerome Baker. I think that he's probably going to be the best defensive playmaker on the team next year. That's my prediction. Yeah. I don't even know if that's that crazy. I could see, and we'll get to it, but Baron Browning, who's one of those defenders that Doug was just talking about in the top 15 of the country, I think, and I wrote this in the Baron Browning profile, that... I could see his career mirroring um, the way Raekwon did. Now, he's an outside linebacker, and Raekwon was middle. But I, I think Browning to play get, middle. If, if Browning plays the middle or plays outside, I would not be surprised to see him rotate in with either Worley or Booker, if that's the way that the starters look. I think they can use him at, at, at all three spots. 
he appears to be that athletic. And he can play corners. And he, he can play quarterback <laughs> if they need him to because they don't have enough cornerbacks. Baron Browning from Texas, number one linebacker in their country, 6'2", 229 pounds. It's important Number to 11 overall recruit. Outside linebacker. That can be kind of a tricky... But Bill just said he thinks he can play in the middle. Oh, yeah. Number but one outside ranking. in their rankings because right, there's right, multiple. Right. They do because they divide it up as yeah. much as they can divide it so they can have as many kids ranked number one. Yeah. Um, Which is still good. I just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a really interesting guy who I think we forget about in the linebacker mix. And it's not Malik Harrison who I have a man crush on. And it's not Keandre Jones. Is it Tough Borland? No, it's Justin Hilliard. Yeah, so I, was just, so I remember doing a story uh, from Media Day. When these guys were freshmen, they had a, a freshman class that came in together at linebacker um, in the 2015 15. class. There was Jerome Baker, Nick Connor, and Justin Hilliard. And you could see, you could just line them up and see, like, you, they're, they're ready to go. Um, and Connor and Hilliard both have been hurt. Mm-hmm. And Jerome Baker is a star. So Connor and Hilliard are both coming into their redshirt sophomore seasons in 2017. Jerome Baker will be a true junior. Um, but those were all major recruits. Nick Connors, uh, a Columbus area kid. Uh, Hilliard was a huge get from the Cincinnati area. Five star. So you don't get right. I mean, Justin Hilliard would fit right into this 2017 class and be as high, almost as highly ranked as anybody we're talking about. So, so yeah, I mean, if Brown, if you think Browning could play, I th- don't we think that maybe Nick Connor and or Justin Hilliard could force their way into some playing time, too? Hilliard, for sure, yeah. I think, I'm wondering if Nick Connor might get lost in the shuffle a little bit with all this, because I think Hilliard is also a candidate to move inside, just because of Worley and Baker and Keandre Jones and Malik Harrison, I think, are more the type of athlete you want on the outside, and Hilliard is a really big, really good linebacker. Do we like what we saw in the limited time that we saw from Hilliard before he... Or has he just been too injured? To I know? think he's been too injured to know. But I mean, he was a five-star prospect, top fifty national player, or top thirty national player, I think. Um, and I think he has the body type you'd want a middle linebacker. So I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Hilliard is on the depth chart in 2017, provided he's healthy as a number two middle linebacker behind Dante Booker. I think that's definitely possible. I'm, I'm looking at my story. I like to look at old stories, and then remind yourself that you're not as good as you used to be. I get worse, a little worse every day. Freshman <laughs> Justin Hilliard, Jerome Baker, Nick Connor, and the future at linebacker from August 19th, 2015. Um, I think this might have been like when I was talking about when I walked out and said, you're looking at the 2017 defense. I think mm-hmm. this is like one of the things I was looking at. I was looking at these three guys at linebacker. So it was Connor in the middle and then Baker at at – Kind of like the, the positions he's ended up playing. Actually, no. Baker no, did because, not. Have it. Because Baker Baker's playing the Will and Worley was playing the Sam right. linebacker. Was it the Sam linebacker's Darren Lee spot, which is the best way to describe it? Which which you would think almost Baker would fit more to, but Worley played that really well and they, they could all play everything. Yeah, I mean, they're sort of interchangeable. Jerome Baker was the was the fourth best linebacker, and so when, when Booker got hurt, they put Baker in. Um Yeah, I mean it's just funny to think about so in the class of two thousand fifteen Hilliard was number 34 overall recruit. Baker was 61, and Connor was 215. Um, and Urban Meyer, that in August of 2015, said, I really like our linebackers. It's early to say that, but I can see those three guys competing at some point, You know, which is the kind of thing you say all the time about everybody. But And then, so you said, you know, don't forget about Justin Hilliard. So those are the guys in that class. But then Bill has a man crush on Malik Harrison, 
And Keandre Jones was, again, was a huge get for them. Guys who were true freshmen. And did they? They both played. They yeah. both played as true freshmen uh-huh. in 2016. Don't those guys have good futures? Yeah, I think so, which is why I think we might see it. And it's tough. Like, <clears throat> the thing is, is that when you recruit, everybody's a good get. They're right. recruiting at this level, so there's going to be people who get phased out. And it's just hard to know this early in the beginning of their careers because you don't know who's going to rise at the top. But it's always going to be at a point now where a guy that was once a huge get is going to turn into somebody who didn't do anything. And that's just the way it's going to work here because you can't – not everybody can. It's impossible. But what if they all do? If they all rise to that level, then you play them all, right? But are they going to play six linebackers? I would. So, I mean, somebody's always going to be better even if the other guy's good. I mean, it's just a real – they seem to be in a good spot because, again, Booker, Baker, and Worley as your older starting guys – then Connor Hilliard, Harrison Jones, and Tough Borland, who people I don't I can't tell if people say good things about Tough Borland because they think he's a good young player just because his name is Tough. Because yeah. inevitably, I end up asking people about his name all the time. Right. I try to ask people during bowl practice. One of the questions I was asking was, "Who's the toughest guy on the team?" And like two people said Tough Borland, and I was like, "Like, do you mean that, or is it just?" I get it. His name is tough, and I love that as much as anybody. His last name's Borland, too, which is like Urban Meyer's favorite last name of any human being. Seriously. So they have three, <laughs> three old guys as the projected starters that we think will be there, um, and then five guys, five young guys coming up, Connor, Hilliard, Harrison, Jones, and Borland, and then two big-time incoming. I mean, this is exactly – I've been here a long time. I'm old. I've been here when there were there was a giant hole blown in the linebacker room at one point where there were a couple injuries and some transfers and they really all of a sudden didn't have guys. And you look at this and I'm not sure you can draw it up any better than this. I mean honestly, I don't, I don't want to but like you're just you're losing Raquan McMillan early to the NFL draft as a guy who played a significant role for 3 years was a captain was a five-star who absolutely lived up to the billing. It's going to be a high NFL draft pick, and you are absolutely prepared to just fill in and replace him, and then you can absolutely see who's next. When if Baker has a big year, and depending what happens with Booker, I mean, who knows, but you could lose three linebackers next year, three starting linebackers. Mm-hmm. And then for 2018, you could just you could see, okay, between Hilliard and Connor and Browning and Jones and Har- Harrison, they'll be ready. Yeah, it, it really seems like, and this is maybe one last nod to Luke Fickle before he goes off. He's gone to Cincinnati now, but he was in on Baron Browning's recruitment in Texas, right, right. Ari? Yes. The position coach always is. This linebacker room was lined up really well. Nice parting gift. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> Good analysis. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go to the secondary. I already wrote about the secondary, so you guys can talk about it because I'm. I, Need even secondary. Um, <laughs> let's go safety first. Now, heck with it. Let's talk young guys first. We have to talk about this recruiting class in the secondary um, because it's so interesting. They're losing three guys. I have a post up that I wrote about a week ago with a video. Ohio State, and again, this is what you get for listening to the podcast because if you didn't watch the video, you don't know this. Only one time in the history of the NFL draft. Have there, has there been three guys from the same college secondary drafted in the first round of the same draft? Get it? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It was the Ed Reed Miami group, whatever year that was. I think 2004. Um, and Ohio State could become the second secondary ever to have that. 
if Malik Hooker, Marshawn Lattimore, and Garyon Conley all go in the first round. Hooker certainly is. It sure as heck sounds like Lattimore is going to. Yeah. And Conley has a shot, for sure. So that's what you're talking about, what you're losing. And they are just loading up with five stars. It is unbelievable. <laughs> the people they have coming in, it was really hard to do the projected depth chart that I did. Jeffrey Akuda, number seven overall player, listed as a corner, maybe could be a safety too. Sean Wade, number 17 overall player. This is all in the 2017 recruiting class. He's a corner. Isaiah Pryor, number 59 overall player. He's a safety. Marcus Williamson, number 197 overall player. Um, He's a corner. Amir Reap, number 185 overall player. He's a corner. And then, oh, by the way, they went and got this junior college guy, Kendall Sheffield, who was a five-star kid at Alabama a couple years ago. Left there, went to junior college, is one of the best junior college players in the country, and Bill thinks he's going to start next year, and I listed him as a starter on the depth chart. Yeah, I think he's I think that's the plan. He comes in yeah. as a junior, comes in with three years to play two. I, I, that, I think he might come in as a sophomore. I, I think he might I have... followed your thing. No, I know. I'm not... Because... So, he, when he committed, he committed, and there was a story on ESPN that he did the story with, and that story on ESPN said he had three years to play two, which is normal for junior college transfers. The thing I don't know about him is like he redshirted at Alabama, so he didn't play, and he played one year of junior college. So I don't know if he's a redshirt sophomore or if he's a redshirt junior. But we're guessing that it's probably not going to matter. Yes. Because we think he's here to play, play well, and then we see what happens to those guys. So, Bill, talk about Kendall Sheffield. You wrote about him when he committed. And then Ari, try to explain to people what we're talking about. I'll tell you what. A couple years ago, again, I'm old. I've seen – you looked out – like in 2013, 2014, and they had a lot of good recruits anywhere. They didn't have them in the secondary. I think their recruiting in the secondary was, compared to other positions, maybe as low in numbers as much mm-hmm. as anything. They just weren't getting guys, and they're making up for it all in one class. So, but and then Kendall Sheffield, that was almost a surprise a little bit, wasn't it? It was a name that I heard late. I don't know. You're more, you're a little more plugged in in the recruiting than, than the two of us. But it seemed he, like he was. I uh, get another slice of pizza. It seemed like he was like leaning towards Texas A&M for a while, and then Ohio State like uh, got him in late and were able to get him. And I think the reason why is, what I understand, is that uh, he was waiting to see what the people on the team were going to do, and everybody left. Yeah. And I think he like looked at like the fact that they lost two corners and was thought, there's no way I'm not going to start, right? Yeah, it's the same thing like Malcolm Pridgen told me when I spoke to him. If it's the same. Like, junior college guys come to start, they don't come to sit. So. And I don't think that like... Urban Meyer brings in junior college guys to do anything. Yeah, like I think he brought in. Too valuable, I yeah. think that when they originally brought in Pridgen, the ideal was for him to start. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the it's same the same show. exact thing. Yeah. So, so he was, um, I believe, off the top of my head, he was a number four corner in the country and a five star prospect when he committed to Alabama. He redshirted and then he transferred. And like from reading things, the vibe that I got was that he kind of didn't feel like he was going to be in the mix as early as he wanted to be. And some people said that he would have played for Alabama this year. Maybe he would not have started, but he would have been in the rotation at least. But he went to Blinn College, which is where Cam Newton went, junior college, and was played really well there, I'm assuming, because he's still a four-star prospect and one of the top junior college prospects Like the ratings the for junior con- it's college. It's weird. It's like they- you go Juco and you lose a star because you're yeah, not as good anymore. Yeah, I don't think that... But anyway, he was a four-star prospect coming out of junior college after being a five-star prospect in high school. He's, what's he, 6'1"? Six foot. Six foot, six feet tall, which is what they want. He appears to be pretty long, which is what in their corners. Um, 
He's been playing college football for two years. He's, I'm assuming, more physically advanced than even some of these guys like Akuda and Sean Wade, who were ranked very highly in, in their own right. Um, kind of the perfect guy, I think, to step in for Ohio State in a year where they're losing their top two cornerbacks. I think they won't. It's not that they won't skip a beat with Sheffield because it's too early to say that, but certainly a very talented player coming in who should be able to start right away and, and fit in well. How's that? Doug's got a nice mouthful of pizza in there. Talk about uh, the high school guys. Swassy. Good hosting. I like pizza, Doug. <laughs> Just talk about whatever you want to talk about. Just leave me out of it. Um, it's too much, almost. Like, I don't even know. All right. I don't even... Explain, uh, no, no, I'm is, saying... He's different, right? I mean, I, mean, I heard people he's... comparing him to Sean Taylor. People get crazy with their comparisons, but... Yeah. I he's probably so. going to be like Sean Taylor. The best defensive back to ever play, probably. Um... It's just so hard. Okuda is just, he was, he's the number one rated prospect in Ohio State's class, and given how deep Ohio State's class is, it's a crazy rating. Um, And it's just interesting because they lost three guys out of their secondary, and now they're bringing in five, and it's all needed. And where they're going to shake up and how they're going to, where they're going to end up, I don't know. Is Okuda going to stay a corner? Is he going to be a safety? I don't know the answer to that. But I know for a fact that Sean Wade's a cornerback. And Sean Wade was the first person to commit to Ohio State back when, at halftime of their national championship win on January 9th, 2015, or 8th. You get it. But, like, where they're going to end up is a puzzle. And I still think they're putting it together. I don't know where they're going to put everybody. I mean, and I know this was... Damon Webb was a corner, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then moved to safety. And I remember, like, saying, we asked one time, like, is he going to... they're like, no, he's a corner. It's like, guys move around in the secondary. I mean, they, they get the best guys on the field. So anyone coming in as a corner certainly can move to safety. Usually safeties don't move to corner, but you get big, long. I mean, Malik Hooker could have played corner. Malik, Malik Hooker like the could way have Dan Webb explains it, that Falcon position is a corner. Right. It's like a slot corner almost, yeah. I mean, Von Bell had to play a lot of corner. I mean, when you're doing this, press man coverage, and as many, as many teams that line up with three receivers and they're not a nickel, they're not bringing in at a third nickel corner and taking somebody out. I mean, they're making the safety do that. It's part of their base package. Um, so you have to be able to do that. So, I mean, it's – this does seem to me – and we'll get to the guys already on the roster because they have some guys who are ready to play too. But I, this seems like a position where you could – they're playing press man. You tell Jeffrey Kuda, see that guy who's lined up at receiver? Don't let him get open. Go. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of – I don't think it would be impossible. Much as I'm going nuts about Michael Jordan as a true freshman starting the offensive line shouldn't happen. Jeffrey Akuda starting at tr- as a freshman, true freshman at corner, absolutely could happen. I think I don't. I wouldn't have any problem with that. Now again, they have guys back. They have Denzel Ward. They have Damon Arnett back. They have Kendall Sheffield, the junior college guy. But if if Jeffrey Akuda is better than them, then he'll play. And I think that that's a position where right isn't that how it could be? Yeah, you said Arnett, right? Yeah. Okay, sorry. It's something sure. Yeah. And it's some kind of confused at just how good Denzel Ward actually is. Because he was good enough to play against and have a lot of time. He shared a position with, with a guy two guys who, like, who getting first round draft picks. Daniel Jeremiah has who's an NFL draft guy from the NFL network has Marshawn Lattimore like three. Number three the overall prospect in the two thousand Marshawn Lattimore is blowing up and Denzel Ward like shared that spot with him. So it's like, I would call Marsh, you know, you would call that they're replacing a starter, but Denzel Ward played a lot 
I had a fight with Kerry Combs about rotating, and they actually rotated. Yeah, even in the Fiesta Bowl. And I guess the question you always ask about Ward is, at what point does his size become a problem? And it became a problem against Clemson because Mike Williams owned him, and then they stopped putting him on Mike Williams. Um, it almost makes me wonder, like, maybe this is going a little too far down the rabbit hole. Is it possible that, like, Damon Webb moves back the corner and, like, Denzel Ward becomes that Falcon safety? Just based on his size and his speed? I don't know. I don't think I don't think they need to be moving anybody to the corner, though. I mean, I talked a lot. When I did the secondary breakdown, I talked to Jordan Fuller at the Fiesta Bowl. Again, a guy who was a huge, big get for them last year out of New Jersey, who is a safety with these corner skills and, and the size that you want to lock up guys. And he plays this Falcon safety position, which is what Von Bell played, which is what Damon Webb played, which is where you have to line up as a safety and cover like a corner. And Jordan Fuller seems ready to go do that. Well, Damon Webb's already there. But, I mean, again, too many good players. I have too many good players. End the podcast. I don't think – I think we had, like, long discussions – not long discussions, but discussions via email about this projected depth chart for the secondary because it was so complicated. I think it's possible we get too hung up on the body type or whatever of Jordan Fuller and think that, like, he has to be that – like, were Tyvis Powell and Von Bell all that different physically? Yeah, I think actually they kind of were. I just in the sense of, I think, but then, well, Vaughn Bell I think was more athletic than Tyvis Powell, though Tyvis Powell was more athletic than people gave him credit for. Like, isn't Jordan but, Fuller like 6'2", 200-something pounds? Yeah. Like, that's a big, that's not a petite dude. No, it's going, not. Like, it's a big guy. No. That, that to me is a guy who can, at least physically on paper, and we haven't seen him play, it's tough to say. We haven't seen him play all that much. But on paper, it looks like he has the body type capable of playing the position of a Lee Cooker played. Yes. Yes. The bigger, rangy... Come up and run support, play center field, deliver some big hits. Yeah, I think... Although the one thing, and we'll just talk about Malik Hooker for 20 seconds. Malik Hooker's plays were in the pass game. Even though he is that bigger safety who you do need to come up... He wasn't asked to cover receivers, so then you have to help in run support. It's like a strong safety. There, and you can go through the people on the internet who track the tackles by play. Like, he had some missed tackles. He did. I don't think Malik Hooker was a spectacular tackler. People aren't going crazy about him at the NFL because of his run support. It's because of what he could do in center field. I don't think he was asked to do it very much, but he was also kind of the reason that Wisconsin stopped running that jet sweep. When they were like, they got 70 yards on five of them in the first half of that game. And then the second half, they just started bringing Malik Hooker down, and he knocked Jazz PV back 10 yards a couple of times, and they stopped running it. So I, th- I think there are questions if there's questions about him and his tackling ability, but I think he was probably a pretty good run supporter, just wasn't asked to do it much. I think it's possible, too, that Von Bell was so good at it that. Von Bell was awesome at it. Like, you, yeah. wrote, the, you wrote the story where you can't run outside of Ohio State because Von Bell's a missile. Yeah. Um, okay, so we. Mo- so- Damon Webb is a returning safety. Jordan Fuller played on special teams as a true freshman. He's ready to compete at safety. And then Eric Smith is there. Mm-hmm. Eric Smith is a guy that we have covered since high school, a Glenville guy who was came in with Marshawn Lattimore, and it's just the way the world works. Um, Eric Smith plays as the true freshman. Marshawn Lattimore, his high school teammate and friend, and they were sort of locked together in recruiting. Marshawn Lattimore red shirts because of hamstring problems. So it's like then Eric Smith is, for lack of a better word, kind of ahead of him. But then 
Now, in year three, Eric Smith is the guy who uh, has a knee injury in his career. Marshawn Lattimore gets healthy, earns a starting spot, and now Marshawn Lattimore has gone to the NFL. And Eric Smith, going into what seems like his senior year, we're a little unsure about whether he might be able to get a red shirt. Mm -hmm. But as going into his fourth year in Columbus, fighting for a starting spot, he's never started. And Marshawn Lattimore has already started and gone. Eric Smith's a good player, isn't he, Ari? Oh, yeah. I thought that he was going to be one of the best players in that class uh, when we went down and did Breaking Bama. The way that he played. like was he, Lat- he was Latimer was rated higher than him, right? Yeah. But they were close. Like, they were close. Smith was still Latimer, a top 100 Like Smith, prospect. I think, if I remember, Smith jumped ahead pretty – like he jumped up at the end. Yeah. Um, but, like, he played really well in the U.S. Army All-American game, if I remember correctly. And he was like – I think he was more like Malik Hooker. I think that he was like a step-up, hit-you type of guy. 2014 recruiting class by 247sports.com. Marshawn Lattimore was the number 52 overall player. Eric Smith was the number 66. Yeah, they were very similar. Player. They were like they were like such a the Glenville package to the epitome of what that could mean. And now it's just is he experienced cuz you know, he's coming off a knee injury, right? Or he was this past year. He had got 2 years, two ago. years ago he had a major knee injury, so you would think that you know, having played special teams this past year, that he could go into the offseason and come into spring football ready to go and energize as, a, as an upperclassman on this team. It's just a matter of whether or not he is good enough to outbeat, to outdo or outperform some of these young, crazy, talented kids that they have coming in to, to you know, be the future of this program. But the people have said along the line that Eric Smith's ready to play. If something had happened... Like Malik Hooker said it, right? He's ready to start now, it's just that... Malik Hooker existed? Yeah. Yeah. So Eric Smith has done everything he needed to do except Malik Hooker went crazy. So. The thing I wonder is like, and we don't really have a baseline for it because we didn't get to see him all that often before he got hurt and then he only played special teams. Like I wonder if he's lost any sort of like explosiveness or speed or anything because of that knee injury. And like, even if it's a very small amount that he lost, like in this world where they're recruiting all these phenomenal athletes, that might be enough to. Send He's on him kickoff back. team, and I feel like you need to be a very explosive player on that. Right, right I think right. that's a good sign. So when I did the projected depth chart in the secondary, tell me if you guys disagree. We did talk about it, but I ended up putting Denzel Ward and Kendall Sheffield as the starting corners, with Damon Arnett, who played some nickel this year, and has been around, and. Sean Wade, the five-star incoming freshman, as the second-team corners. And I made Eric Smith and Damon Webb the starting safeties with Jordan Fuller and Jeffrey Okuda, the five-star incoming, listed as a corner. I know you've been told, Bill, that he's a corner. Mm -hmm. Things can happen during practice. It doesn't matter, really. With the two backup safeties as Fuller and Okuda. So that's three new guys in Wade, Okuda, and Sheffield. On the two deep, but I think that's, I mean, that's nothing more than a guess, and I think it could be... I think that's as good a of a really, guess as you can make at this point. Yeah. It's going to be really fun, as, and that, this might be the most interesting battle because there are three open spots, and there's a lot of new talent. Yeah, and I'm, in, are, I'm yeah. in favor of projecting Smith as a starter, as a guy who's been around and like had a season taken away from him from injury, because we all think he's good enough to start. And we don't know a lot about Jordan Fuller yet, but... If Eric Smith beats out Jordan Fuller, I'm not surprised by that. I think that would actually make a lot of sense. Yeah, and when I asked uh, Malik Hooker during bowl practice, who's who's the next you? Who's a guy who has not started right now? 
but could start next year and be an All-American in his first year as a starter. And the first He mentioned several guys, and Eric Smith was one of them, but the first name out of his mouth was Jordan Fuller. So There's a couple other names just in the secondary, I think, that we should just mention, even if we don't think they might crack it too deep. At corner, Wayne Davis, Joshua Norwood, and Rajay Burns are still around. And Rajay Burns played against Bowling Green and had a pick six, like a 75-yard pick six against Bowling Green. But then we didn't see him again, I don't think, the rest of the year. And then at safety, they have Jacin Wint, who's from Curtis Samuels High School in Brooklyn, Erasmus Hall, who I think is maybe a little bit of a project. He was like a three-star athlete and then got that fourth star because he committed to Ohio State. Two and went or two three. star with a three, whatever. Same thing, same ridiculous star ratings that don't make any sense. Um, <laughs> but I'm interested to see like what he becomes too. If he's like kind of a almost like not to compare him directly to Malik Hooker, but just an athlete who you don't quite know what he's going to be. If Wint makes some kind of jump this year, too. Yeah, I mean, it is. Last last time I had a project at safety, yeah. he turned into the best safety in the country. So, it's hard, man. I mean, but I think, but but it's interesting for us, and I hope it's interesting for you guys, because um, I want you guys to get some questions ready if we, if we have oh, any yeah. worth doing. Um, because I like uncertainty. I mean, I just, it's more interesting because you, you don't know exactly what you're going to see. I mean, after the 2014 season... That 2015 team that came back, you knew the whole team, basically. You knew what was going to happen other than the quarterback competition. Um, and then 2016, there was a lot of questions about who's going to do what. And all of a sudden, um, Malik Hooker pops up and Marshawn Lattimore pops up and Jerome Baker pops up and Jamarco Jones gets his first chance to start. And um, Mike Weber fills in and Curtis Samuel becomes Curtis Samuel. And it's really interesting. And so even though they're going to have um, – about half as many starters to replace. I think there's still going to be some really interesting competition. And I do think it feels like this team's going to be deep. And I think that's the thing that 2016 was a reminder of, is there are guys on this team ready to play who don't play at all just because there's an older, talented guy ahead of him, but they're ready to play if they ever get a shot. I mean, Jerome Baker wasn't supposed to really play this year. Maybe they would have rotated him in a little bit, but he played because Dante Booker got hurt. And look what Jerome Baker became. Jerome Baker became a huge part of that defense. And nobody would say that Jerome Baker wasn't ready. He was absolutely ready. But he would have been not a starter if somebody hadn't gotten hurt. So, I mean, I think there are going to be more people like that across the board on this team, and especially when they start adding five stars, more five stars in this recruiting class than Urban Myers had combined in his first five years here. All right, questions? A lot of the I only have like four, and a lot of them are offense related. So sorry that we're switching from offense to defense or defense to offense. This is from uh, at Willicky, who sent us some questions all the time. Who will be the top two wide receivers to st- statistically speaking at the end of the twenty seventeen season? Should go back to our offense. Yeah. <laughs> Who will be the two top ones? The top two receivers in terms of stats. I guess we'll say like catches. Ben Victor, Austin Mack. Do you think Ben Victor and Austin Mack? Uh, yes. I'm going to say Ben Victor and KJ Hill. I knew you were going to say. <laughs> Just KJ to be different. Hill. One thing, I was looking this up as we like think about what kind of imprint Kevin Wilson might have on Ohio State's offense. Um, I was trying to find the last time that Ohio State had three different receivers catch 50 passes in the same season. And I went back like 10 years and couldn't find it. There was a couple, two guys with 50 catches, but never three. And Kevin Wilson had that the last two years at Indiana. Really? Yeah. Two outside receivers and a slot guy had 50 catches in the last two seasons. 
that would be completely different from anything we've seen from Rivermeyer's offense in the last five years. But I'm wondering if that kind of change and boost to the passing game is possible. I cannot even imagine that. It would take. I mean, it would. It I mean, not not that I can't imagine it happening, but like I can't imagine like that. Because when Kevin you think about this offense this year, that they would be able to do that would be. I don't even know if there were challenge. if there were enough completions in Ohio. State I think they threw the ball infinitely more than Ohio State did, right? I mean, yeah, but they also. Have, I mean, they still ended up with a thousand yard rusher like two years ago. Kevin Coleman ran for two thousand yards. Yeah, yeah. So like they found a way to do both, which is why Kevin Wilson is in the job that he's in. Also because he got fired. Also in because Indiana he got fired in Indiana. Yeah. yeah. Not Did fired. They agreed that he would move on. Mutual parting of ways. Get you a man who can do both. Player mistreatment. Yeah. Um, but that always. I mean, like this is like people are always like, especially happens with the Browns all the time. Every time someone leaves the Browns and does something well somewhere else, like when the Texans have had a the Houston Texans had a really good defense this year, and people are like, "Oh, Romeo Cornell. Oh yeah. man, he wasn't the defensive coordinator for the Browns. He was the head coach." Yeah. So, yeah, it's amazing what happens to people when you demote them sometimes. They end up being really good at a lesser job. Anyway. Okay, uh, let's see, another question. This is from James. His Twitter handle is at James underscore Octavius. Do, do you think Mike Weber can be a top-tier NFL-type talent or his, his ceiling more like Boom Heron than it is Carlos Hyde and Ezekiel Elliott? I like that question. That's a really good question. Comparison. And two different levels. Because, I mean, listen, let's be clear about something. If you get compared to Boom Heron, that is not an insult. Boom Heron was an, incre- an incredibly productive Ohio State running back. And he made a living in the NFL. And he made a living. He's just never been a number one running back in I the NFL for an extended period of time. That is an awesome comparison, and I think Mike Weber is Boom Heron. I agree. He's just not quite that dynamic. He's not as good as the best running back in the NFL? Right. Well, even that. Like, that's obviously a high bar. But even, like, take Elliott out of the equation. I think if you watched Mike Weber play last year, you thought he was very good and, I think, serviceable and had a great – he's only one of three freshmen to rush for 1,000 yards, and the other two are Robert Smith and Maurice Claret. Like, clearly Mike Weber is good. That kind of good is another level. I'm not quite sure Mike Weber can get there. Maybe he can. I don't know. But I think I agree with you guys that he's more toward Boom Heron than Hyder Elliott. By the way, I said I'm not going to say it again because I always butcher it. But I said Elliot's name right the first time. I said Ezekiel Elliot. Do um, it. Just say it. No, I'm going to bust it. Do up it. Again. I nailed it. I'm batting a thousand right now. <laughs> Ohio State's outside receivers caught 81 combined passes last year. Okay. Not H backs. Not tight ends. Not receiver. Not running backs. The outside receivers: Noah Brown, Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin, James Clark, Corey Smith, Johnny Dixon, Austin Mack, Alex Stump. Was Noah Brown the only one over 30? Yes. Okay. He had 32. Paris Campbell was next with 13. One, two, three. One, two, three. Sometimes. Do you have to count with your fingers sometimes? Yeah, all the time. Of their top five receivers, it went H-back, outside receiver, H-back, tight end, H-back. Okay, so we have another question from Josh. Or Sorry, I was going to call him Josh. Jock Fistic. That's um, our guy. That's our guy. He sent me. He was uh, shooting photos at the national championship game down in Florida. He shot me, sent me a really cool photo of the Clemson guys celebrating. It was a f- sweet photo. Um, he wants us to break down by position group which players we think will redshirt and which won't from the 17 class. And I don't know if you want to get that specific, but I guess I'll just ask generally, like, with all the players they have coming back, and we, talk, we broke it down in these last two podcasts, they have seven starters to replace. It's not 16 like it was last year. 
like how much of this 2017 class that's super talented, the most talented Rivermeyer's ever had, is going to redshirt, and how much is it? Are the, how many of these guys are going to play? Didn't you do the story on who redshirted this year? I did. I have the number right here. So not counting uh, Malcolm Pridgen because he was a junior college. They had 23 true freshmen in 2016, and 11 of them played. Too, it's too many redshirts. Yeah. This or the year before, four played and 21 redshirted. Yeah. This year, 11 played. And 12 redshirted. So that's progress. That's much better. It's still not enough. More guys should have played. And this year they're going to have... What's the class going to be yet? True freshman. 20 to 22. Not counting Sheffield because he's a Juco guy. True freshman. They're going to have 20 or 21 true freshmen. Yes. And they got to find a way to play at least half of them, right? All right. Here we go. Okuda should play. Browning should play. Wade should play. Dobbins at running back should play. Meyer should play. Tate Martell, Won't probably play. a red shirt. That's one red shirt. Isaiah Pryor at safety should play. Brendan White, who says he was moved to receiver, still could be a linebacker. Who knows? When was that? When you were gallivanting in Las Vegas. Maybe a red shirt. Marcus Williams, cornerback, should play. Two red shirts so far. Chase Young, defensive end, should play. Wyatt Davis, offensive guard, should play. Trayvon Grimes should play. Haskell Garrett, defensive tackle, should play. Kendall Sheffield's not a Do you have to say freshman. <laughs> Amir Reap, corner, uh, maybe a red shirt. Jalen Harris, receiver, should play. Jaron Cage, defensive tackle, maybe a red shirt. Four, Pete Warner, linebacker, maybe a red shirt. The kicker is the kicker? Is the kicker the kicker? Yeah. No, Sean Nurmberg is back. Sean's back and he's coming back. Blake Hobble is going to be the kicker. Um, <laughs> That's five red shirts out of so that they have they have they have nineteen they have eighteen high school kids committed right now. Uh-huh. And I just want thirteen play five red shirt. I think that's a good number to strike. They won't do it. They though. won't do it. Yeah. So that so that half the class can leave for the NFL as red shirt sophomores, but. And that's the thing. Someone, I, I said something the other day. I've been, I doubled down on my no one should redshirt thing, which I wrote at the beginning of this year, of this season. And then someone pointed out, like, all the people on this 2017 team who are going to play and, and start as fifth-year redshirts. JT Barrett, Marcus Baugh, two. Billy Price, three. Taekwon Lewis, four. Michael Hill, five. But listen, I'm going to give myself a break on, on a couple of these. If you're hurt, I don't mean if you're hurt. Yeah. JT Barrett, a qu- the quarterback's a little different. Okay. JT, so anyway, there's like five or six, because Taekwon Lewis coming back is one of them. Chris Worley's one of them. Um, Tracy Sprinkle wasn't a planned redshirt. He got hurt. That's actually how you should redshirt. That's why you shouldn't redshirt as a freshman just by not playing. So that if you actually get hurt, then you have a year to actually redshirt with an injury. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that is five or six guys. You know, Tyquan Lewis redshirted. Billy Price redshirted. Again, offensive lineman I don't have a problem with. Marcus Ball. But again, like just for instance, Marcus Ball redshirted so he could come back, right? Yeah. If Marcus Ball wasn't able to come back, they wouldn't be dead at tight end. No, yeah, because they're deep. And they have another spot available for this recruiting class. And that's nothing against Marcus Boss, just an example. If Tyquan Lewis had not redshirted and didn't have this option to come back, 
they'd be fine. No offense to Tyquan Lewis, who was the best defensive lineman in the Big Ten. They'd be fine. Michael Hill, too. And they'd have another spot. Michael Hill, who started at defensive tackle for a team that made the playoff. If he wasn't, if he didn't have eligibility, they'd be fine. And they'd have, I mean, it's just, Chris Worley is a great example, okay? Chris Worley waited his turn, probably wasn't ready to contribute as a true freshman, and they're going to get two years of starting out of him because he redshirted instead of one. And he's not just going to start, he's going to be a leader, maybe the leader of this defense. That's a great redshirt at maybe a non-redshirt position, because the only things I think are redshirt positions are offensive line and quarterback, I'll give you Chris Worley. Chris Worley was also with like a three-star kid from Cleveland, right? They're just not bringing in as many of those kids. They're bringing in five-star kids from all over the country. So Chris Worley is the perfect example. Throw that in my face. Thank goodness for Ohio State, Chris Worley redshirted so he can be back. I'm not backing off. Don't redshirt. I still stand by don't redshirt. That was like a 16-minute rant off topic. I'm sorry. That was a That's your question. favorite thing to rant about, isn't it? <sighs> I have like 10. I have like 10 things. 10 things. That was the last question I have. Oh, good. Someone actually asked if I was going to have a rant this week, so I feel good about that. Of it was course. natural. Is this something to come up for? I, I didn't get any questions. No one wants to talk to me on Twitter. Yeah, I think 46 minutes is a good roundup. But, but that's 46 minutes post-pizza. Post we yeah. did like 15 minutes pre-pizza. <laughs> So we're like over an hour. Oh, this is a different one? Well, we paused it. Oh, I thought this continued. I just thought new. you hit pause. We did it. Yeah, it starts a new Okay, file. so that's two and a half hours of straight podcasting for you folks today. I'm delirious. Okay. Um, we don't do fake ads anymore. What was the fake ad we said we no, should No, we do? started with Domino's. That's a good oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. We talked about well, it wasn't a fake ad. Oh, yeah. Domino's. We just gave you a free two-minute plug at the start of this podcast for your pizza tracker. Five ninety nine. But I questioned whether toppings. it was real. So I guess I'm you can give them, a, give them the $5.99 deal that you love so much to throw up. Can you send us some coupons? Yeah. Man, we don't even need money. I, I, I don't want coupons. I want to run the tracker for a day. <laughs> First person story? Yeah. <laughs> Bill hitting the tracker button all day. <laughs> Where's the button? It's a computer. No. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. Um, find us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Find the podcast on iTunes. Find it on Stitcher. Uh, it's called Buckeye Talk. Subscribe. It just subscribe to it. That's how Bill gets his podcasts. Yeah. That's how I get my podcasts. Just subscribe to it. Um, so, for Ari Wasserman and for Bill Landis, thank you for listening. This is Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.